Today on CityCast Boise, we all know a lack of affordable housing is one of the biggest issues facing our community. For folks with low incomes, it's especially challenging. So what's Boise doing to solve this problem? In the first of many conversations about our housing crisis to come, I'm talking with reporter Paul Schwedelson. He covers growth and development for the Idaho Statesman. It's Tuesday, July 12th, 2022. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is CityCast Boise. I actually want to start just kind of with the basic question of what is low-income housing? What is the definition of it uh, in Boise in the year... 2022, um, maybe for a family? So the city of Boise defines low-income housing as for anyone who's earning 80% of the area median income, which is really a very specific government bureaucratic (laughs) (laughs) number. Um, But for a family of three, it's an you know it's an income annual income of sixty thousand six hundred and fifty for a, for a household of four it's sixty seven thousand and it adjusts based on how much you know how many people in the household and how much they're making and ultimately that impacts the what is defined as affordable rent which the government says typically people should not be spending more than thirty percent of their income on rent which as housing prices have gone up more and more people are spending above that threshold, getting closer to maybe 40% or 50% of their income spent on rent, which is falling into what's called the housing cost burdened category. Right. Um, well, and, and of course, uh, as wages have stayed pretty much the same, uh, or maybe you've gone up a little bit, um, but then we've got inflation coming in right now. That's also uh, putting pressure and making our dollars go uh, not as far. So, Generally speaking, like who, um, you know, folks are working, they're out in the community, they're uh, earning a wage, um, and they're just uh, at this level that's about $60,000 for a family of, of three or less. Can you tell me about like some people you've met or some stories that you've written about the kinds of people who, you know, uh, need this kind of housing and need access to low income housing? Yeah, what stands out to me is just how broad that spectrum is, whether it's a single mom or it's um, people who have dealt with, uh, you know, criminal histories that then they're locked out of housing for reasons regarding that. Um, it's all sorts of people, people who are disabled. Health issues too, right? People yeah. who are disabled, yeah. um, seniors on fixed incomes. It is a really wide variety of people. And to me, that's, uh, reporting on this issue, to me, that's something that really catches my attention more than anything is it's something that really affects everyone in so many different ways. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people have like one idea of who would be in low income housing, but I think that's a good point to make that it really is. It's, it's a lot of your neighbors. It's people that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And it's also um, just can kind of happen to anybody that this kind of uh, housing might be something that they would, would need to access. So I guess with that in mind, why are we having such an issue having enough 
low income housing? Like what is kind of one of the reasons why there isn't enough? And what are you following as a reporter on this? Pretty much all of Boise's housing issues uh, come back to supply and demand. And so obviously there, we know that there's a lot of people moving here from other places and the population is going up and ultimately the demand is high and the supply is low. And that's so much of all of Boise's issues and things going on can be uh, pointed back to that. And so now it's a kind of a game of catch up, essentially. Um, the low income housing is, you know, just has to catch up. And the other thing too, is that maybe 10 years ago, um, the government didn't need to step in because it was happening more organically. But because of the supply and demand in the private sector, that's really what's kind of forcing the, you know, putting the pinch on on the need for, for um, you know, this, this low income category specifically. Well, that's a great uh, segue, because I guess the question is, you know, a lot of people, of course, are going to the city saying, are you doing anything about this? Um, what can the city do? What's what's actually in their control in, in this process of uh, getting more low income housing built? Yeah, there's a whole bunch. Um, one of their big initiatives is is trying to use city owned land and partner with developers who then would build on the city owned land. And that's what the way that the city can sort of manage that and secure that, you know, those new buildings are going to be um, affordable in the long term. Um, but there's a lot of other things, whether it's related to, um, you know, just trying to increase the supply of housing in general. I mean, that that ultimately could help, you know, people at lower incomes. And then there's, you know, all sorts of different programs that the, you know, through the federal government that the that the city can partner with. And then there's um, policy things like, you know, allowing developers to build extra height on their buildings if they um, offer certain types of affordable housing. So it's it's a combination. It's a whole big combination of all the different sorts of things. And the city really wants to be creative with that. And what is the city's goals around this? I know that uh, Mayor Lauren McLean, she's talked about this in particular, but, uh, you know, how, as you said, it's it's not just low income housing that the city's interested in seeing increase. It's at all levels um, and across the city. Uh, so what are their kind of, you know, goals and uh, what are they shooting for, I guess, around this question? The big one to me is a few months ago, Lauren McLean came out and said that her goal is to have twelve hundred and fifty uh, affordable units built in the next five years. And that um, that comes with partnering with developers and, and using all those different tools that um, I just mentioned regarding the maybe the extra height or maybe the land trust or figuring out ways to, you know, have any sort of uh, partnerships with um, other organizations that that are specializing in this area. So it's a combination. That's and that's the biggest thing from the city's end of it is they're they've said that they're willing to try all sorts of different stuff. You know, there's no magic bullet that is. You know, they're going to put in one single policy, snap your fingers, wake up the next morning and um, <laughs> Boise's affordable housing crisis is solved. Yeah, you know, it really is going to take a, a big haul. Yeah, well, I've lived here for a little over 10 years and I've seen this issue just slowly and then quickly become a bigger and bigger and bigger issue really in the last five years in particular. And so, yeah, you're right. Of course, it's not going to be just one thing. Uh, it's going to take a lot of different 
mechanisms and different projects and partnering with developers. And I know some of that's already happening. So I guess I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about this one proposal. You recently wrote about it. We'll uh, put a link in the show notes for it. But it's a, it's kind of an interesting example of the tensions that arise when a developer comes and says, hey, we're, we're willing to uh, put this building up. We want to do this. And here's where we want it. And it will serve, um, at least partially, uh, low income low income folks. Tell us about this proposal. So this proposal is for 201 apartment units uh, next to the St. Al's campus on the West Bench. And it would be for um, people earning 60% of the area median income or less. So um, what's okay. considered the, that's considered the very low income uh, yep. group of people. So it's along, uh, it's right near Emerald. So the Emerald bus line would, would be there. So public transit would would serve that corridor, you know, which helps for people if they don't have a car. Right. Um, there's there's some commercial nearby. There's obviously medical services nearby uh, with the St. Alice campus. This land is empty. Uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of sitting there for now. Um, it's next to Liberty Park, which, you know, is good outdoor opportunities, you know, to go to the park. So sure. from the city's perspective, they view it as a really good place for a 200-unit apartment building. Okay, so the city feels like this is a good a good thing. Uh, what do people in the neighborhood say? Because of course that's always that's always a point of contention or can be. They're a little bit concerned about the height and some of the, the traffic that, that may be involved. Those are concerns that we hear throughout the whole city. So yeah, it's it's almost like Paul, we we see this movie playing several times where um, over and over again where a developer has an idea, they've found a way to make it work. They have a location. Uh, folks from the city who want to see more of this housing are excited about it or think it's a good idea. And then it gets to the point where neighbors start weighing in. And maybe there's some neighbors who are in favor of it. Um, seems like we don't hear from them as often. We're mostly hearing from the people who are concerned. How do we deal with that dynamic? Gosh, that's a great question. If the city knew how to deal with it, I mean, gosh, you would you could write a book or you know, yeah, you right? know, run for mayor or something. I mean, it's it's a really difficult situation uh, just in terms of handling those dynamics because the city I mean, part of the city's requirements is to have a neighborhood meeting, for example. You know, so of course. So they so the city, you know, wants to, um, you know, involve neighbors. But a lot of times, you know, the people who the feedback that comes from neighbors a lot of times is people who are existing homeowners, people who already own their homes, people who um, maybe are not low income. <laughs> right. People right. who are not low income. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I you know, it's kind of like you have this this dance where, um, you know, the, the future neighbors, they're not here. You know, they're not represented. Right. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the hardest parts about getting through that process is um, trying to figure that out. Um, but it's 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 a weird it's a weird dynamic. And, and the city is recognizes that um, this type of housing is such a big need and 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 is really committed to. Um, addressing it, but it's hard to kind of get everyone on the same page and on board with that. Okay, Paul, how um, how does the city's zoning rewrite come into this? Because right now they're kind of in this, I don't know where they are in, the, in this process, actually, about the zoning code. That's been a big thing that's been talked about for a long time. Uh, how does that play into increasing low-income housing stock and housing stock in general? Yeah, so that's a good question. And that's really going to shape Boise for 
a long time. Boise hasn't redone its zoning code since 1966, which, you know, now is in this, uh, big moment, you know, this, in this, uh, time of change, this transformational time for Boise is now the city is going through this. So there are a couple of proposals that they have, uh, outlined that the city has outlined, um, you know, including, uh, changes to, um, lot sizes, minimum lot sizes. And, and, you know, that would, what that would do is for example, it would allow more housing on, on the same amount of land, for example. Um, density, that doesn't, right? This de- is yes, the density yes, question. Yes, yes. I, I hate the word density because <laughs> no one knows what it means. And <laughs> But um, yes, essentially, yes. Um, you know, so you have uh, more housing in, in this same amount of space. And so, um, you know, that that is a, a big piece of the puzzle. Um, the city just released this information on the feedback. They put out a draft of some of the proposed changes, um, and then they did a whole bunch of feedback the past couple of months. And they just released this uh, information, and 18% of survey respondents were from the West Bench. Hmm. Okay. 28% of the city's population lives in the West Bench, or you know, right. according to this, how they define these these areas. So that is underrepresented based on the population. Then you look at the north slash east end, which is one of the wealthiest places in the city. They accounted for 19% of the survey respondents, but they only make up 10% of the city's population. Right. So when we when we think about who is the city hearing from, right. those are the statistics that I think are really important because the wealthiest groups oftentimes are the most overrepresented. Right. So when we talk about low income housing and when we talk about neighborhood opposition, who the city is hearing from is a really important question and yeah. a really important answer to to keep in mind and consider. I mean, because folks who have more income, generally speaking, have more resources, more ability to take time to submit public comment uh, and participate in these processes, right? Yeah. And just one more uh, stat based off of that uh, feedback, the survey feedback that the the city released. 35% of Boiseans are renters, but they made Mm -hmm. up 65, uh, they made up 16% of survey responses. Oh, wow. And then less than half. And then 65% of the city's population is homeowners and they made up 82% of the survey responses. So that, that kind of sums up uh, exactly how um, this kind of feedback is shaped by, you know, the people who maybe have more means or are able to, um, you know, just kind of be involved a little bit more. Or, I mean, I think about city council meetings, you know, it's like, you know, if you can't, if you can't pay for a babysitter or maybe if you're working two jobs, like you're not going down to city hall to comment, you know, something like that. So what are we hearing from folks who should be, you know, the most affected or who would be the most affected by these policies? Well, and I think that is just the the hardest part is a lot of times we, we don't hear from them because they're busy trying to make their lives and, and things like that. You know, people are moving away from Boise. Maybe they're moving to other places in Treasure Valley or maybe they're leaving entirely. And a lot of times, you know, it's obviously an individual case by case basis. But if someone leaves, then obviously their voice is not heard at, at the, you know, at these um, public forums and and. I think that's the the thing that the city has really clued into that. I mean, that's why the city has made it such a big priority to address housing. Um, it's just a matter of how far things will go and and you know how big of a dent they you know they could put in this. And and it's going to be a long haul. It's going to be a, a it's going to 
be a big effort, but the city's working really hard at it. Yeah. It's, their, it's the city's top priority. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is an unfair question, but like, how is the city supposed to like change hearts and minds <laughs> around uh, the question of should, you know, can we build housing for low income folks in neighborhoods um, with a lot of homeowners who might be resistant? You know, how do you get those folks to see that this is essential? Um, I don't know the answer. I don't, I'm sure nobody really does, right? But it feels like that's like the crux of it. Like, can you really change people's, yeah, feelings about something like this that's so divisive? Yeah, I mean, if you knew the answer, you should probably run for office. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> There's a reason why I'm not running for office, Paul, so <laughs> clearly. But, but, you know, I mean, I think that a big piece of it is the communication part. I think yeah. that's really important. I think the city is um, maybe putting a big emphasis on on that. That's why they're doing this feedback and, and that, you know, they're taking these surveys and they want to listen and they, they want to um, be proactive in that sense. Um, I don't know if it'll work. Mm -hmm. Maybe it works a little bit. Maybe it works a lot. I don't know. Um, but they're trying, certainly. Well, thanks so much, Paul, for coming on the show to give us kind of this wide lens of our low-income housing crisis and what's being done to to address it. Uh, there's so much more to talk about, so hope you'll come back on the show sometime and, and tell us more about your reporting. Thanks for having me. And by the way, you'll get a chance to share your thoughts about the zoning code rewrite on Thursday. The city is holding an evening open house at the Hillcrest Library between 5.30 and 7 o'clock. If you can't make that one, there's two more open houses later this month. We'll put a link in the show notes with more info. Thanks so much for listening to CityCast Boise. Have a question or comment about our housing crisis? Leave us a voicemail and we may share it in a future episode. Call 208-546-9485. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.